Welcome to the Long-Term Care Chronicles podcast. This morning, I have the pleasure of being with Charlotte Gibson. Charlotte Gibson had a family member at Bendale um, Long-Term Care Home, and she was also uh, the former chair of the Family Council at Bendale. Today, she's going to be uh, speaking with us about how important it is to prepare for the end of life um, cycle for our loved ones. So Charlotte, welcome this morning. And um, please, uh, it's the floor is yours. Well, thank you. Um, first, Helena, uh, let me say that I'm not an expert on end of life planning. I have a master's degree in social community psychology and my final position before I retired was president and CEO of the Easter Seal Society, where I dealt with dying children and grieving parents. I also volunteered at Vendale, as you mentioned, um, both as chair and as a member for several years. These are my thoughts resulting from my struggles to arrange uh, my sister Sandra's end-of-life passage. Some of Bendale family council members uh, remembered Sandra when I did this presentation. She passed on July 23, 2019. She had been living at Bendale for 11 years. In April of 2019, at her care conference, the social worker suggested that we start looking at end-of-life options. Our other sister and I were shocked. Did Sandra deteriorate that much? Had something happened? Why was this suggestion being made? We were told no, it was just something that Bendale wanted in place for all residents. When asked if we wanted Sandra to have last rites, I thought, this is serious, Um, I better start preparing. I was given a package of handouts from funeral homes that operate near Bendale. I spent the next month researching and organizing material to understand how everything worked. At the end of the process, I thought that family council members could benefit from my research, even if only to start them thinking along these lines. Families could be required to make as many as 87 decisions in the 72 hours after a loved one's death. Decisions ranging from straight-ahead tasks like financial documents and um, making and paying for final arrangements. It can sound overwhelming, but the good news is that many decisions can be made and communicated beforehand, giving families the ability to grieve and celebrate a life without additional stress. When I started investigating, I developed a chart of prices and considerations which I had intended to share in person when I did this presentation. I researched the funeral homes near Bendale. I had planned on sharing handouts outlining the services that each facility provided and the associated costs. But by April 2020, everything had changed in the funeral industry because of the pandemic. I have not reviewed the changes because they continue to vary both by region and by pandemic numbers. Nevertheless, to begin the discussion and to Moreover, the basic information is still extremely valuable. We're all here because we want to learn more and prepare for the end of life of a loved one. But never forget as we move along that none of us is getting out of here alive. As we think about the wishes of our loved ones, also consider your wishes 
to help ease a significant burden for others later. It's the greatest gift you can ever give. There are four areas of consideration that I feel are equally important. One, traditional funeral home versus virtual funeral home options and considerations. Two, pointers on grieving without gathering. Three, unexpected road bumps. And four, taking care of yourself. Traditional versus virtual funeral home options. Start by putting a file together of required documentation. Identify whether there is a trustee for the estate. Who has the power of attorney? Is it you? Do you have documentation? Is it a lawyer? Is it someone who is publicly appointed? Put it in your file. If there's an estate, think about estate settlement. Is there a will? Do you have a copy? Put it in your file. Some pre-death considerations are organ donation option, something that you should discuss with your loved one if they are of signed mind, and or your siblings. Put it in your file. Last rites or specific religious ceremonies. Traditional, bricks and mortar, basic, virtual or no specific building, or in Toronto, Oshawa, Whitby, there is an aftercare memorial plan. I'll speak to each of these individually a little later. Cemetery arrangements. Do you have a plot? Do you have a marker? Do you want one? Do you, um, what is the cost of the burial? Casket or urns? These are decisions you're going to have to make. Celebration of life. During the pandemic, uh, many people have chosen not to have a celebration of life immediately. But you need to think about the facility, the extent of the celebration. Do you want it formal, informal? Do you want pictures, music, food, beverage? Um, at some uh, facilities, it can be supplied or brought in. I'm not sure what the rules are where during the pandemic in the current situation. Memorial cards and donation receipts. Um, <clears throat> at, excuse me. At the Bendale uh, presentation, uh, I always hear we need... Uh, we need extra money. We need money for this. We need money for that. Uh, memorial donations are uh, like a, a, a huge source of income. Uh, before Easter Seals, I worked for Heart and Stroke for uh, 11 years, 13 years. And uh, we brought in close to my particular area $5 million a year in memorial gifts. And this was 20 years ago. So it is huge. But when Sandra passed... And I spoke to Bendale. They mentioned they had no cards for Bendale. Uh, it had to go through the city. I said, I, I want it for Bendale specifically. I want something for Sandra for Bendale. They had to make up something special. Uh, it was um, quite, uh, quite complicated. So if this is something that uh, family councils want for their particular a long-term care unit, make sure you start those discussions now. Consideration one, cost. A bricks and mortar funeral home <clears throat> can range in cost between 5000 
and $8,000. The costs include a facility care fee, costs for transfer into care, transfer out of care, coroner certificate, registered death certificate, you may need several, assistance with the application for CPP death benefit. Consideration number two, celebration of life. Do you want it in a funeral home? Do you want it in a chapel, a hall, a restaurant, or a relative's home? Media notice, the obituary. All um, areas that uh, provide assistance will assist with the writing of the obituary, but note that newspaper costs are extremely high. Food and beverage. Some facilities will provide, some allow outside catering. Do you want a speaker, someone from the funeral home, someone from your church, a family member? Music. What kind of music did your loved one, loved one like? Sandra loved Queen. So, Queen it was throughout the celebration of life that happened in September. She died in July, but we held the celebration of life in September because everyone was on vacation in July, and um, Sandra... Uh, Sandra's birthday was in September, so it was all around her birthday. Flowers, pictures, display location, memorial gifts. Take all of that into consideration. What do you want? Basic funeral. Costs for a basic funeral range from $2,000 to $3,000. The difference is there's no bricks and mortar building. They will provide the same service. You must access them online or you can go into their Mississauga office for assistance. They will walk you through everything. They don't have a facility for public viewing or celebration of life. Uh, they do have, they can give you suggestions of places that people have used. For example, they suggested that maybe we could use Bendale. When I spoke with the social worker at Bendale, we agreed it was not a good place because if there was uh, something that Bendale wanted, if there was an emergency, if there was an outbreak, uh, they couldn't guarantee the time and place. They provide, um, uh, sorry, um, <clears throat> do you want a public viewing? I'm not sure if this is possible currently with the pandemic. And do you want a, a casket? That's all additional cost. Earn costs vary widely. It's also additional. Aftercare, funeral, and memorial plan. Uh, there are centers located in Toronto, Oshawa, and Whitby. The costs are similar to the basic or virtual funeral. The main difference is that they do have a location that offers visitation. Um, the funeral alternatives and rituals. There are green and natural burial options. Note that it's illegal in the province of Ontario to bury or spread ashes. Make sure you are familiar with the rules. Support for dying time. There are local palliative care and hospice centers throughout the province. There are also what's called departure nurses and death doulas. A death doula is a person who offers non-medical support to individuals and their families in end-of-life planning, leading up to the death, at death, and after. They are primarily used in home-based death care. They allow family and friends to say goodbye to their loved one in a more familiar and natural setting and in their own way and time. 
Slowing down the process allows all involved to absorb the death at their own pace, honoring death as an important part of life. Internment. Make sure that you are aware of any additional cemetery costs. In addition to purchasing a plot, costs can range from $500 to $1,000 in many cities. There are differences by region and where you decide to have your loved one rest. For example, in Toronto, the costs are higher. Uh, while we were going through this with Sandra, we also went, my husband and I went through it with ourselves. And we have a plot in Golden Lake, Ontario, near our northern home, where the internment costs are included. You need to do your own research um, where you live and where you want your loved one to rest. Grieving without gathering. It's common in our culture to engage in ceremony and ritual upon the deaths of our loved ones. We naturally find solace in honoring their lives and gathering with our community. Sometimes, for a variety of reasons, a ceremony cannot happen or a loved one cannot attend, and mourners are left in a holding space of incompletion. It's heart-wrenching enough to have to say a final goodbye to a beloved family member or friend. Yet when the traditional ways of honoring, connecting, and gathering are interrupted, families and communities can be left feeling a deep disconnect. All of this comes from an article written by Julie Keon, a life cycle celebrant, death educator, and doula. She mentions that people often think of funerals and memorials as a way to bring closure. I'm not certain that we ever have closure or that we need to have closure when a loved one dies. I still toast my mom on November 22nd, the day she passed in 1990. And now I toast Sandra on July 23rd. I do know that pausing after a loss to remember, grieve, and comfort one another is a human need. One way of doing so is through meaningful rituals and ceremonies. Most recently, there's been an interruption in our death traditions due to the coronavirus pandemic. Families have had to gather in small groups or have been forced to forgo a ceremony altogether. The passage of time alone cannot produce the powerful benefits of a meaningful ceremony. After a death, if this cannot occur, people can be left in a holding pattern. Some suggestions on how to fulfill this need when circumstances do not allow include having a virtual or private ceremony now for the immediate family until a larger in-person gathering can be held. Encourage family and community to take part in the same ritual in their own homes at the same time. Send cards by mail to the family and friends. Create an online forum for people to share memories, stories, and photos. Live stream or pre-record a ceremony led by a celebrant or clergy person that can be shared with the community. Share memories, a song, or a message in a video and send to family. After death, our love and memories live on. Although funerals and celebrations of life may need to be delayed, the process of planning a meaningful ceremony can bring a sense of hope and peace until it can take place. It's never too late to honor the loss of a loved one, no matter how much time has passed. Unexpected road bumps. 
Sandra's case was complicated. Sandra was on ODSP until September 2018, having been diagnosed as suffering from schizophrenic tendencies and then dementia, resulting from a beating she received when she was in her early 30s. In August 2018, I applied for Old Age Security and CPP. When I applied for death benefits to help offset funeral costs, the benefit was denied because Sandra had only contributed to the program for seven years. The required minimum is 10 years. Discussed, discussed, discussed with family members. It took me seven years to get our other sister to agree to the signing of a do not resuscitate order for Sandra. She couldn't get her head around the fact that Sandra was the youngest sister and may die first. I had saved $4,000 for a funeral for Sandra. Sandra had always wanted her body donated to science. She didn't want a funeral. I knew other family members would not agree. I chose the basic funeral. I had come to terms with the fact that people, I had to come to terms uh, and have with the fact that people grieve in different ways. Our sister spent an additional $6,000 to have a celebration of life in a bricks and mortar funeral home for less than 25 attendees. When I spoke with my contact at basic funerals, I asked if this happened often. She said, very often. Even her own family had problems, and it's worse if there is an estate. Just be aware and act accordingly. Finally, take care of yourself. This isn't a presentation on taking care of yourself. That's uh, something upcoming that I'm working on. But let me close by saying that unless you take care of yourself, you're going to be of no use to anyone else. Throughout her life, Sandra forced me to find balance in my life, and for that, I'm extremely grateful. Charlotte, um, this is such uh, an important topic. It really is. Um, if you haven't had the benefit of... Um, of having, unfortunately, gone through something like that, perhaps with someone else, and having to be responsible for gathering all that material uh, when when the time comes, uh, you aren't aware, and you are absolutely right. It's the worst possible time um, to have to think about it when you're already grieving a loved one, and that's why preparation is so important. I had the benefit of being able to do that before my mother passed at Bendale, so it was a little bit less onerous um, when the time came. So I'm I'm hoping that a lot of people are uh, have listened to this, and uh, will start making those preparations um, because it's um, it's a sad sad time when it happens. And um, it's good to have these things, especially things that don't matter at the time that you're grieving, um, to have them ready so that when you do have some quiet time uh, during that um, a dif dif difficult time in your life, uh, that, that, that you can continue to, uh, to do that preparation. Thank you so much, Charlotte. And uh, again, um, it's, it's most fortunate that we were able to hear you at Bendil give this presentation. And now that you've done it through the Long-Term Care Chronicles, I'm hoping a lot more people will have that benefit. Thank you again, Charlotte, and you be safe, and you have yourself a great day. Thank you, Helena. Thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode and hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please leave a comment as we would love to hear your feedback. Please follow us on Twitter at Family Councils and Facebook at Family Councils Collaborative Alliance. Again, thank you.